you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth books we all have them some of us have a few too many and a lot of us just don't know what to do with them Sure, you can put them on a bookcase. Sure, you can pile them up on a nightstand. Sure, you can even stack them on a coffee table. But how can we give books some wow factor? How can we turn these everyday objects into something that will really have some punch? Something where your guests will walk in and say, how did you ever come up with that? So that's what we're talking about today on Big Design, Small Budget. I'm Betsy Helmuth, and today we are thinking about talking about, and accessorizing with books. So the reason that I came up with this topic is Today.com approached me to think outside the book. They wanted me to come up with a series of tips that we could take to video that would really show novels in a new light because accessorizing with books is so boring. Yes, we all know about arranging cute little stacks of them hither and yon, but what can we do to really show them off in style? So my first tip that I shared with today.com and I will share with you now is to know well your novels. What that means is to gift wrap them. It's really fun and so easy. So for the holidays, I like to create book covers out of gift wrap. Now, I don't wrap the entire book like you're wrapping a present because you want to be able to open up the book and read it or to at least have the pages be visually exposed. So you're going to go back to high school. Let's all take a moment and think back to when we used to make those book covers out of those paper bags from the grocery store. Do kids still do that? Are they wrapping their iPads now? I don't know. But that's what I used to do in high school is we'd take those grocery bags. I even did it in college. And we would wrap up the book. So we'd create a cover by laying the book down on the sheet of gift wrap, making sure that the sheet will completely cover both flaps of the book, and then adding three inches on top and bottom and side to side. What you do then after you lay the book on top is that you fold down the top of the paper so that it's the same height as the book, fold up the bottom of the paper so that it is at the same line as the bottom of the book, and then fold each side flap so that it goes over the sides of the book and just shuts right over the book. 
Now what I like to do is I like to stick with a color palette. So I was using the color palette that's in my living room, golds, yellows, reds, and greens, which also tie in very nicely to Christmas. And I created stacks of them using different kinds of papers. So rather than using all the same holly paper, all the same snowflake paper, instead I alternated polka dots, stripes, the snowflakes, and then the holly paper. And it makes for a really fun dynamic stack, but don't stop there. Keep going and tie it with ribbon. I prefer the curling ribbon just because it's so easy to work with, but certainly you can get fabric ribbon as well. And then tie it in a beautiful bow on top. Now, if that seems too complicated, you could just get one of those sticky bows and plop it right on top as well. Now, where are you going to put these stacks of books, you ask? Certainly, this is a great idea for your coffee table, which is where I put them when I was accessorizing my billionaire project for the holidays. But you could also put them on a side table. You could put them in front of your fireplace in cute little stacks on either side. The key when you're stacking these books is to do so in odd numbers. As you guys know from this podcast, odd numbers are visually more complex. They look more organic and less contrived than their even counterparts. So stack those books in threes, fives, sevens, not in twos and fours. My next amazing book as accessory idea was to create a cozy moment. So whether it's next to a side chair or beside a guest bed, I love stacking up books and using them as a side table. So in lieu of a stool or nesting tables, just stack up some pretty hardy books. They need to be at least 8 by 10 in size because you don't want it to topple over. So it has to be fairly sturdy and it needs to be about 16 to 22 inches high in order to feel like a side table experience where one could comfortably stack another book on top or put a coaster for a drink or even house a remote. So I like this idea because it's using what you already have, large chunky books, but also it's very unexpected and invites people to really do something cozy, snuggle up with a book, come Get in bed and pick up your favorite novel and just have a nice night reading. It just creates this vignette that inspires someone to do that very thing. Pick up a book and enjoy. So I like this idea of the side table. The other thing that you can do that we actually did yesterday on today.com. Now I had seen this before on some Pinterest pages, but yesterday when we did it in real life, it was pretty transformative and now I want to do it absolutely everywhere, is lifting your lamps with books. So take a table lamp that's on a side table on a nightstand and put a small stack of books underneath. Now in this case, I'm totally fine using two books or even three because the taller you get, the more precarious it starts to feel. So keep that stack low and be sure that the book on top is broader than the base of the lamp because you don't want the lamp to topple over or be wibbly wobbly. But we use like a big chunky book on the bottom and then a relatively small book like six by six on the top. It looked so cool. And there was a lot of negative space on the bigger book from where the smaller book didn't overlap. So we put a candle on the side. Then we put a small vase with some lollipops next to it. It was such a whimsical moment. And I love the idea of choosing books that really relate to the room that you're in. So not only matching the color palette of the room, 
with the spine of the book. But also, if you're going to be doing this on, say, a desk lamp on a desk, you might put under that lamp books that really inspire you, books that help grow your small business. Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster is one of my favorites. So I also love anything by Seth Godin. Let me just put that out there. But you could stack it with inspirational books that really make you feel revved up to get your business going. Or say you were doing it on a nightstand in a guest room. You could really invite someone into that space and into, if they're staying in New York City or Brooklyn, you could pick Brooklyn-specific books that really make them feel at home when they're away from home. So I like this idea of adding it as a conversation piece and not purely a decorative element. The other thing that I thought was a super fun idea is if you were having a book club or a dinner party, you could stack up two or three books that you think that your guest would love and top it with their name card. By setting your table with these centerpiece book stacks, you make your guest feel really considered and thought about, but also it's just adorable and I haven't really seen it before. I also thought that this would be a great tip for a kid's party because so many times we get those gift bags and they're so annoying. But a lot of times if we did different stacks of kids' books for each different kid, like say they weren't all the same, say that you knew one kid liked cars because they come over to your house a lot or one kid likes Ninja Turtles, kind of curating a little stack of books that you know would really be up their alley and then topping it with that name card or placeholder. But Not only would it be really a unique thing to do, but I think it would really show how much you've thought about and how excited you are to have your guests in your home. The next thing I was thinking is that so many people, especially in New York City, have decorative fireplaces. These fireplaces are purely decorative. They don't actually burn a fire. And so my clients are always asking me, Betsy, what should I put in there? And certainly you can put candles, even though that's totally been done. Certainly you can put logs, but, you know, it's never actually going to be burned. So another thing that I was thinking that you could do is you could really fill that void with stacks of books. Now, when you're stacking up your books, you want to make sure that they're not deeper than the fireplace because you don't want them to protrude past the fireplace opening onto the hearth. But you also don't want them to be so far back in that fireplace vessel that you can't read what they are. So I would really line them up with the front of the fireplace. And I think it's really cool to do two stacks or three stacks that are just vertical and fill the space exactly. But I think it's even more interesting to be a little eclectic with it and put some stacks on the side, some stacks vertical, just fill it, but not necessarily in a symmetrical way. That will make it feel a little bit more whimsical. So that's my tip for non-working fireplaces. And my last tip, and a tip that I love to do and have done quite often, is framing pages from books. Because so many of my clients say, Betsy, I just don't have art that inspires me and I don't want to hang up something that I don't have a connection to. But almost all of us have a favorite book, especially in kids' rooms where these books are illustrated and can be quite lively. They can really be works of art. I love to frame pages from books. Now, in a kid's room, I actually like to make a color copy of the book rather than ripping the page out because oftentimes when you rip the page out, you can faintly see the illustration on the other side when you do that. So when you make a copy, you don't get that opposite side image bleeding through the back. 
But when I'm dealing with books that only have text, I do like to rip the page out. That way you can really see the fiber of the paper. There's not so much visually and graphically to look at to capture our attention. So getting those little nuanced dog-eared pages, those pages that maybe have a smudge from your fingerprint, that's really what gives each page added personality. And then, of course, it's infused with a topic or quotes that you love because it's a page from your favorite book. I like the idea of mixing up several different books and several types of fonts in a beautiful gallery wall. I also love the idea of just ripping out two random pages and hanging them next to a reading chair in a reading nook or next to a nightstand. So these are all great ways to use books a little bit differently because we all have so many of these things. Why do we need to go to Pier 1? Why do we need to go to Crate and Barrel and buy loads of tchotchkes and random art when we have these art and accessory opportunities all around us on our shelves? So I hope that it has inspired you. Now let's break for a commercial break, and we'll be right back with a couple of listener questions. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Guys, let's reach deep, deep into our old mailbag. You guys continue to send in awesome questions to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com, and I really appreciate it. I love answering them. So here goes. My first mail is from Scott. Scott writes, Betsy, we're reconfiguring our kitchen to have an island put in. Right now, the only lighting there is pot lights. Do you think it would be best to put some pendant lights over the island? Thanks in advance, Scott. So Scott, I do generally love the look of pendant lights over an island, but there are a few circumstances in which I wouldn't go for that idea. The first circumstance would be if you can only accommodate two pendants. In other words, if the island is less than 48 inches long, because then it's really quite small and I think the canned lights would work better. And you know that I like odd numbers, not even. So two is a little bit mm, cliche for me. I'd rather see you do three pendants, which will require an island that's 48 inches or longer. The other thing that's really important is that if there's another pendant in the room, 
this could visually conflict with that. So say you have an Eden kitchen and that Eden kitchen table has a really cute decorative pendant over it. You may not want the pendants over this island to steal its thunder. So either you could forego pendants and do those pot lights or you could think about pendants that are see-through, either glass or simple exposed bulbs. So that way it's not detracting from that beautiful pendant over the kitchen table. Another reason why I would consider not doing the pendants is if your island is quite shallow. If it's under 24 inches deep, you may find that those pendants really get in the way of the functionality of the island, especially if there's a sink in the island or you use it as a cutting surface. You might find that they really get in your way and you even knock into them. So in the case of a shallow island, I might forgo them altogether as well. But if none of these aforementioned issues apply to your situation, Scott, I say move forward with the pendants. I hope that helped. Let's move on to my next question. My next question comes from Crystal. Crystal writes, Betsy, I have an old Singer sewing machine that I'd love to repurpose as a small desk. My decor is contemporary and I have no antiques. I love the look of this machine. Should I paint the legs or only the wooden top portion? I'm thinking about a nice light medium gray. Of course, I plan to remove the machine and the foot pedal. Thanks, Crystal. All right, Crystal, I do have some thoughts on this. So you sent along a picture, which is very helpful, and it does look like an old antique sewing machine stand. Um, And typically, I don't mind using these as desks. I've seen that done a lot, whether it's on websites or, of course, in person. Here are my thoughts. In order to make this a more contemporary look, I love your idea of painting it, but I feel like painting the legs won't give that impact that painting the top would. The legs are sort of the afterthought on this piece, and the top is much bulkier and chunkier, especially considering that the top has the drawers and just a larger visual presence. I also really like the idea of you updating it with a neutral because I think that that light gray will appear to be more modern. I would avoid painting it a color because it might start to look shabby chic or a little bit eclectic. And I would also avoid painting it too dark a gray because a charcoal gray might look too similar to the legs, which are like that dark wrought iron. And so it might not create any sort of contrast or desired effect. So I think the light or medium gray is the perfect pink color. The other issue I have with using this as a desk is just a practical one. It's that I'm worried that you can't fully tuck your legs because even when you remove the sewing machine, it has quite a deep drawer system and quite a deep underhang under the desk tabletop. So I'm worried that it won't be a comfortable place to actually sit and it will be more decorative than it will be functional. In fact, I'd almost rather you leave the sewing machine and use it as a nightstand or an end table just because I think you will get more functionality out of it. I do worry that when you tuck your chair, you're going to hit the top of your thighs and your knees. But prove me wrong. Make sure that it's comfortable for you when you pull in with a standard height desk chair. Because I really do like that it has storage on the side in terms of those drawers. And I really do like that you're repurposing something that you love. So there we go. I hope that helps, Crystal. And do keep us posted. I would love to see your transformation. 
Guys, thank you so much for your emails. And I want to give a particular shout out to our premium members. You guys are joining in droves and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It really does offset the cost of producing these podcast episodes, which I love to share with you, but are getting a little bit expensive after a year and a half. So join our premium membership VIP list. It's $3.99 a month. You get access to our entire archive of nearly 80 podcasts. Additionally, I create a bonus episode almost every week. This week, I have two new episodes coming up under the bonus content that you won't want to miss. So join me, support us, tell your friends, Give us a review on iTunes. We really could use the love. It helps keep us going. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.